0: Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. Maybe some of you don't know me. Uh, So uh, I'm Pastor Tyler. I'm the youth pastor and associate here. So uh, just welcome. Uh, So last week, I got the opportunity to be out and to have a little vacation with my family. And I went to Disney World. And so, yeah, Disney World in July. uh, That's a great plan. And so I went into it with like pretty low expectations, which is the key to success, people. Low (laughs) expectations. I'm just joking. All right. So I went into it with like fairly low expectations expectations, you know, because it's supposedly the happiest place on earth. And I'm like, well, I know that's not true, but it's supposedly pretty good. And I have to admit, it was awesome. It was like really good. Like I was like so impressed with Disney World. Like they actually lived up to their reputation. Uh, And so anyways, it was a fantastic trip and uh, thank you for letting us go. Um, But today is actually, that's a little bit of what we're talking about is as, as a church, how do we live up to our reputation? How do we live up to what it is that we're supposed to be? You know, the world has an idea of what the church is supposed to be, and do people walk away from us saying, yeah, yeah that was actually great? Well, that's the question that we sort of have to face today. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but anytime you, like, I've ever taken off work and I come back in, I sort of have this, like, panic mode that I'm gonna start off in the wrong spot. Uh, That I'm gonna like jump back in and I'm gonna like pick up in just the completely wrong place. And so, for the last like two weeks, I knew I was gonna be preaching right after getting back, and I was afraid, because we're going through this book verse by verse, that I was gonna end up like in the wrong passage. So, uh, you're gonna think I ended up in the wrong passage, just heads up, here in just a minute as we get started. You're gonna think I'm in the wrong place, but we will get to Ephesians, and I think uh, what I'm gonna tell you about here in the first few minutes is actually incredibly important for us to grasp as a church. There's a story in the Bible in the Gospels about two men, John the Baptist and Jesus. And these two men are actually cousins Right, and so John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, older by a few months, uh, and and they're actually both very impressive people. Now, obviously, we know Jesus and we know John the Baptist from the Bible, but like in their own right, in their own day, uh, these are quite famous men. John the Baptist was a prophet, and people were going out in droves to meet him in the wilderness. Like he was sort of this crazy guy that like ate locusts and honey and wore like bad clothes. Like you know, he was this like crazy, weird guy, but people went out there because he had this powerful message of repentance and coming back to the Lord. And so he would call people to repentance and they would come and they would be baptized and there was this genuine movement. But John the Baptist knew that his ministry was about someone other than himself. And so he knew that he was actually supposed to point people towards the Messiah. And at one point he realized that his ministry was actually about Jesus, his cousin. And so he began to tell people one day as Jesus walks up, that's him. And he's so great that I can't even bend down to untie his shoes. I'm not even worthy. Even if I were to take a a posture of humility, right? I mean, we don't wanna mess with each other's feet today. Imagine like back in the day when you wear sandals and you walk in the dirt and there's no paved robes. Like you really, that's a really low position, right? And he says, I'm not even worthy to do that, to even come that close to Jesus. And John the Baptist was great. Jesus actually thought John the Baptist was the greatest who ever lived. Jesus at one point says, There has never been anyone born by a woman, a.k.a. anyone, uh, that is greater than John the Baptist. So these two men, they had uh, high respect for one another. Well, in fact, Jesus' ministry sort of blossoms, as we know, and thousands upon thousands of people are begin to follow Jesus. And, and John the Baptist, sort of like a mega pastor, sort of begins to lose his crowd, right? He begins to lose his crowd. But John does it in humility. And at one point, he says, Jesus must become greater, and I must become less. And he, in fact, allows his own disciples to go and follow Jesus, encourages it. And so John is sort of going fading into the background just as Jesus is coming into the foreground. And one day, John, not only has he lost sort of his status in society willingly, he ends up in prison. He falls out of favor with the king for speaking truth. He falls out of favor, and he ends up in prison. And, and as ha- happens when your life goes south, you begin to question things. I don't know if any of you have ever gone through like a difficult season, and you begin to question every decision you've made in your life that's led to this moment. And so John the Baptist, who's built his entire life on preaching this one message that the Messiah was coming, ends up in prison, and he begins to question everything. And so he sends some of the few disciples who were left with him to Jesus. And he says, ask Jesus, are you the one that was supposed to come or should we look for another? This is a very difficult moment for John. And Jesus replied to him and said, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then he goes on blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, if you read it in your version, you may find, blessed is anyone who is not offended by me. You see, Jesus had this sort of interesting epiphany at this question, right? And he recognized that I could live exactly as God intended me to live. Jesus is like, I can be exactly who God has designed me to be. I can do exactly what I am supposed to do. People can be healed, miracles can be happening, the gospel can be preached, the poor can be taken care of, and people may be offended. And people may walk away from me and not choose to accept me. But here's the crazy thing, is Jesus doesn't apologize for what he's doing. He doesn't apologize for the good things that are happening in his ministry. He just says, blessed are you if you can handle it. Because here's the deal. Jesus knew that the only reason someone could be offended by him was because of his overwhelming love and compassion and mercy towards them. Okay, now this is an interesting story. Jesus, John the Baptist, this question, this idea. And now I want to remind us of something else from Scripture. We are the body of Christ. We are called to be the body of Christ. We are called to be the physical representation of Jesus to this earth. Okay, so there's these two things, all right? I want you to hold this story in your mind, and I want to hold hold this reminder in your mind. And here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Does the conduct of our personal lives, my personal life and your personal life, does the conduct of our corporate life as a church, do those two areas in this room do they mean that people can only be offended by our overwhelming love for them? Does the conduct of your life and my life, does the conduct of this church leave room only for offense because of love? Because people can't handle mercy extended to them at this moment? Or does my personal conduct, your personal conduct, our corporate conduct, Give people an opportunity to be legitimately upset at us because we lie, we gossip, we slander, we're selfish. Which one is it? You see, because if we're the body of Christ, then we're called to say, blessed are you if you're not offended by me because the only thing I'm doing is offering you love. This is a really interesting and a tall task, right? Because we know ourselves. <laughs> and we know that we have a long way to go if we want that to be true that people could only be offended by the love of God in our lives and in our midst. But it's incredibly, incredibly important, you see, because there are people all around this community. There are people who walk into our church, they are hurting, they are broken, and they find themselves like John the Baptist, questioning everything their life has been about. They've set their life up on this one set of understanding, and everything has crumbled. And the question is, what's the real deal? You say you believe in God. You say you believe in mercy and compassion and love and purpose for life. Are you serious? Are you the one I've been looking for? Is this the thing, this God thing, the thing that I've been looking for my whole life, or should I look for something else? See, John the Baptist comes to Jesus, and Jesus offers love and mercy and says, yes. This is exactly what you need, and blessed are you if you can handle it. And people walk into our midst and into our lives, whether it's here or at lunch with you at work, and can we say the same? Can we say, yes, I have the real thing. I have the love and the mercy of God that will bring you out of whatever you're in and take you to a new place. Stop looking, it's right here. So that's the goal. The question you may have is what in the world does that have to do with Ephesians chapter 4? <laughs> that may be your question. I, I, think, I think, in fact, that this is exactly what Paul is getting at. I think that Paul is calling us to live like Christ, and I think that this is exactly what we need to do. You see, here's the reality. Many people have been wounded by the church. Many people have walked away from Christians and from the church, and they've been rightly upset They've been rightly hurt by things that have happened, supposedly in the name of Christ or by people who carry the name of Christ. But God wants us to be a church not that wounds people, but that looks like Jesus and instead is wounded for people. We would rather be the church not that that wounds people, but be like Jesus wounded for others, wounded for others. Here's the whole point of the message. I want you to catch this. If you don't catch anything else, catch this. As a church, we need battle scars that look like Jesus' hands and feet. This is the only scars that we need, but we need them. We need battle scars that look like Jesus' hands and feet. And, feet. and there are so many opportunities to be wounded or to wound someone else, to be scarred by other things, but the only scars that we need reflect our Savior. Right. And that's, in fact, what the world needs is a church that looks like Jesus. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4 together, verses 1 through 16. Paul says, "'As a prisoner for the Lord, then, "'I urge you to live a life "'worthy of the calling you have received.'" And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? And he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is a really beautiful passage of scripture where Paul begins to create this metaphor of the body of Christ, and he calls us into it. And the question for us today is, how are we going to be the type of people that don't wound, but are wounded for others? How are we gonna be the type of church that eventually becomes the full and mature body of Christ? I think there's a few things that we can pick up from this passage. And I think the first thing that we need to realize is that we should relax. It's not up to you. All right, relax, it's not up to you. This can be a daunting challenge to imagine ourselves called to live so that the world, when they see us, sees Christ. It can be a daunting challenge task to realize that that the way that god has designed this is for us to actually be the representation of jesus on this earth it's a challenging task but i want you to relax it's not up to you or to you or to you you see in english our yous sort of get blurry okay i can say hey julie could you do this for me and i'm talking to one person but i could say as we often do at some point hey could you all stand up Don't stand up. But I could say, could you stand up without the all? And then at that point, I'm talking to all of you. Well, in the New Testament, which is originally written in Greek, it's very clear. Those are two different words. And I want you to understand that here in this passage, Paul is saying you. Not you, but you. He calls you to fight for the unity of the body. And here's the reality is that one person can't keep the unity anyways. Okay, one person on their own can't be unified. It takes more than one. And, so, and this is the beauty of it, right? If it's up to you to be the representation of Jesus to the world by yourself, well, we all know that's pretty shaky ground, right? We all know that's a really difficult task. But, but here's the reality. When it's you, suddenly we have more opportunity for growth. And, and this is how it works. Uh, when one of us stumbles and falls and sins, you want to know how the world knows that we are the church we pick them up That's right. jesus said that they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another so here's the reality when someone falls when someone sins against you when someone does something wrong it's actually an opportunity to show the grace of god to the world yes. so when someone stumbles when someone's broken we pick them up so when someone mourns we mourn with them when someone loses we we lose with them yes. We bind up the brokenhearted. We take care of the weaker brother or sister. We care for one another. And in that way, the world sees the unity of the church. Right. And in that way, they actually see the body of Christ functioning. And God, God knew that it was too much responsibility to put on you. So he put it on you. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton has this sort of famous thing. He said, the, the Bible, God's plan for the world isn't, this proven by our sinfulness. In fact, it's proven by our sinfulness. But God knows that we are in desperate need, that we're fallen people. And as the body of Christ, when we reach out to someone in need, someone broken, someone in sin, someone falling, someone in sick, then in fact, in that moment, we are the body of Christ. Yes. I saw this happen this last week. Uh, I was at the General Council for the Assemblies of God, which is our denomination. It comes together from all over the country. And I was sitting there, and you could ask some people on the staff. We were sitting at lunch, and I look up, and across the room, I see someone that I literally thought I would never see again. And I literally thought I would never see them again because I thought they were locked away forever. I thought they were in prison. And so I see this person from a distance, and I'm like, what in the world? They're out of prison. I wasn't able to talk to them but I went back and I talked to my sister who was there and, and, and she knows the situation. And I said, what, did you see this person? I, I didn't know. And, and she began to tell me that um, she actually was in the same room but she ran into the person. And at first she was gonna walk the other way because it was a really awkward situation because it's one of those moments where you know what's happened and you're like, it's easier maybe since it's been years to like just avoid than rather than like, where do you even start? Right. And then she realized that she was actually called to love people no matter what and that meant this person included so she just went up to them and greeted them and gave them a hug and began to talk to them and find out how they were doing. And, and what we found out, what she found out, was that this person had found a pastor after they had gotten out of prison. And this pastor said, here, I want to I take you under my wing. And I want to show you that the church can still love you. Amen. I want to show you that you can still love the church. And so this pastor apparently over the last year or two has been taking this person and slowly bringing them back into the body of Christ, helping them rehabilitate their image and everything that was going on. And, and it was this beautiful moment when now they were back there and the love of God had restored someone that we thought was gone. You see, that's the body of Christ, right? Because God's grace reaches to us no matter where we are. It reaches us to no matter how far we've gone. And here's the reality. As a church, we've got no choice but to follow him in that regard. Amen. So that no matter who walks into our doors, no matter what they've done, no matter what we know about them, we're called to love. That's right. We're called to extend mercy and grace and compassion. And in that moment, the world can see the love of God in our midst. And in that moment, they will know that in fact... We are the body of Christ. So relax, that unity thing, it's not all on you. And then Paul wants us to go one step further. He says, it's not even all on you. We have God in our midst. You see, Jesus comes to the earth and then he tells his disciples, I have to go away so that I can send the Spirit. And I'm gonna send the Spirit into your midst who's gonna remind you of all truth, who's gonna remind you of everything that you need to do, who's gonna guide you into truth. It's going to bind your hearts together, convict you when you're out of step, call you back into the love and the mercy of God. So relax, it's not all up to you, me or you. It's not all up to all of us. It's up to the God at work in our midst who ensures that it will happen. Okay, here's a second point that I think we can gather from this passage. Paul goes on and he gets into this talk about leadership and I think this is really important. We need if we're gonna be the people of God that we're supposed to be, we need to learn to be equipped by leadership in the church. Learn to be equipped by leadership in the church. Okay, now, I don't know what your experience in the church is, but maybe this is a sensitive subject for you because maybe you've been burned by bad leadership, maybe you've been burned by other things. But no matter your situation, God's designed for the church. Paul goes so far as to say the reason, one of the reasons he descended became human and then reascended was to set this up okay so we don't get to forfeit it just because we've had a bad experience we got we got to go with it right we got to walk in wisdom and find leaders that we can follow but god has set up some leadership for us to learn from to be equipped by to do the work of the kingdom of God. So uh, I'm a youth pastor, so we're gonna lean into this for a moment. So I need some volunteers. You're not gonna eat anything crazy or anything like that. I just need like five volunteers, and one must be a teenager. All right, we already got two. All right, we got two. There you go, come on up. We got three, four, five. All right, here we go, here we go. All right, and then Pastor Shane, he's already volunteered, he didn't even know it. All right, you guys can come on up here. This is perfect. Um, So the the five of you that volunteered of your own free will, um, go ahead and stand around this pulpit here, and uh, just sort of stand here in a circle. Let's do this and stand sort of in a circle around it. Okay, now Pastor Shane is the leader, so he's over here. But wait a minute, that's not what Paul thinks. So you got to get in there too. So Paul doesn't think that Pastor Shane is somehow over here and directing, but Pastor Shane is actually in that. Okay, so this is me youth pastor mode. If you could stand in a circle, that would be fantastic. All right, okay. So stand in a circle, everybody. Sort of do this. So, now imagine that this is the body of Christ. Okay, like. I, I thought of a way of like getting everybody closer together, but I figured we'd get uncomfortable, so I didn't wanna do that, okay? Um, so this pulpit is sort of our task here. So the goal is gonna be to lift this and move it. Now if one person had to do it, I also want you to use your imagination that this is like a million pounds, I don't know, something really heavy, and like one person couldn't do it themselves. And then here's the other deal, if all, all of you will grab onto like just some part of it, and then um, if you don't mind, if you'll pull it that way, if the rest of you will pull it this way. okay. Yeah, okay, one side's gonna win. Okay, I can set it down. Now, here's the reality, is that it's never quite that clean in life, right? We have sort of everyone pulling in their own direction. And the way that God set it up is actually that God has come in and he's given some leaders, right? And that's not just pastors, but it might be like life group leaders, spiritually mature people in our church who have sort of a gift of teaching, right? And then he sort of said, hey, I'm calling you to come and give some direction to this mess, all right? Uh, and so uh, you're not the head, that's Christ. We're going to find out about that in a few minutes. But you are called to lead. And so everyone starts, just pull in a different direction. And Pastor Shane's going to give you some instruction. All right. well, I'm going to go this way. Don't obey. Don't obey. I need help. I need help. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. Now here's the deal. I, they, were, they were all compliant, and that was not, that's not the way the church is. No, I'm just joking. Um, all right. You guys can find your seat for a second. Um, so imagine, though. Yeah. I think it's give around a round of applause there. Okay. So. So everyone was being super cooperative because it's like an illustration in church and you cooperate, that's what you do. But you know, when it comes to like picking the color of the pews, that's not the way it always goes, all right? So, but imagine like in more serious things like, that there's division in the church. And so you end up having people pulling in different directions. And God set it up to where the leadership is supposed to say, hey, there's this person who's hurting. We need to go over there and help, right? There's this need in the community. We need to go over there and help. But some people of, of, among us, maybe myself or whatever, might say, well, there's this other thing that we need to do. We need to go to this fun thing to do because I'm the youth pastor. We got to do this fun thing, right, uh, or whatever, um, And what can happen is if we don't learn to be equipped for the ministry, to go to the broken where the leader is calling us to go, if we don't learn to do that, we actually end up dividing the body of Christ. And so if this could be torn apart, what happens is we actually begin to create a tear and create a wound in ourselves. And we end up with self-inflicted scars. And as I said at the beginning, what we need are the scars that look like Jesus' hands and feet, not self-inflicted wounds. right. Right? And so here's the church. And so when we begin to gossip, we begin to rip it apart. When we begin to slander one another, when we begin to fight over who is supposed to get out the coffee in the morning before people got here, when we begin to fight over all these different things, we're actually tearing the body of Christ apart. And here's the deal, God has set it up to where there's sort of like the nerve endings, I'm just sort of like going here with the metaphor. And like the leaders are like, hey, something's wrong. Something's tearing here, we need to get this back in order. And so here's the reality. That part that gets us back in order can sort of come across like it might be offensive. Because sometimes the leader has to say, hey, you person that's moving that way, you're, you're sort of out of step with the spirit of God. And that can be a real hurtful conversation at first, right? Because when someone speaks the truth to you in love and tells you to get back in line, uh, you don't wanna do that. But see, that's something that we've gotta learn to get over. Because that's, right. that's, not, that's not something worth being offended about. And in fact, that's actually love. That's right. Love sometimes tells you things you, you don't wanna hear. And God has put leaders in the church, God has put leaders in our lives that sometimes has to tell you that what you want to do is not quite right. Not even that it's necessarily bad, but it doesn't quite have the kingdom mindset. Right. Right, that you may be after something good, but in fact, you may not have the best in mind. That there might be someone who's hurting and in need of the love of the body of Christ, and you're wanting to go do something that's okay, but it's not best. And here's the deal: As a church, we've got to learn to be equipped by the people that God has played, placed in leadership. That's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to submit. We don't like that word. It's a scary thing. And time doesn't permit us to talk about godly submission and godly leadership in today's message. That's another time and another conversation that's important to have. But when you find leadership that is in tune with God and then step with the Spirit of God, you've got to learn to submit. You are gonna learn to follow what it is that God's calling us to do, because that's the way that God has designed it. It's the way that God envisions the church to function. So it doesn't matter what your past is. It's important to process that. It Doesn't matter what leader might have burned you. God still calls us to learn to be equipped by leaders. And so, we as leaders in this church strive to be the type of people that are mature, and can say, follow me as I follow Christ. And as long as that's all happening, it's gonna be good. Because as long as the leadership remembers that it's in fact not the head, but a part of the body, then there's gonna be this mutual submission and desire to help those in need. I think that's what we have going on here. I really do. I think that our church strives to be that kind of church. And I think that this is a thing that if we can all get on board... We can all head in the directions that we need to head in. Even if sometimes that means that there's difficult conversations. It says, hey, your priority, it isn't even necessarily sin, but it's not quite the priority that God has for this church. At this time, so you gotta come on. So, so, relax, it's not all up to you. Second, learn to be equipped by the leadership in the church. And then here's, here's the last thing that I think that's really important for us to get. You gotta grow until your body fits your head. All right, you gotta grow until your body fits your head. Now, how many of you have ever like looked at like a one-year-old or a nine-month-old and their head is just like disproportionately big? Okay, now I noticed this with our first child and I, I'm, seriously, this is like the cutest thing on earth. Forget the puppies, this is the cutest thing. At some point in a child's life, their hands are just barely long enough to like scratch the top of their head, all right? So they like reach up as high as they can and they can just barely get to the top of their head. Whereas, you know, now it's like our hands go pretty high above our head. And it's just like really funny because their head, and that's why at first they can't even move, like, right? When they're born, they're just like, here, because their head's like an anchor just holding them to the thing, right? And then they figure out, well, if I can get this head going, I can get my whole body moving, right? You can gonna do that, okay? And then uh, they realize, like, they start to do the next strengthening thing. And then, like, my daughter, just a couple weeks ago, started walking, and she does this really funny thing because her head is still too heavy for her body, right? It's still a little too big. So if she gets that too far out of center, she's going down, right? And so she does this thing that's really funny. Like, she walks with her hands behind her head, and then, like, whenever she needs to, she does that. So it's like this balancing act where she's just doing this thing, and it's, like, really, really cute. But, but her body doesn't fit her head, right? And that's the problem. It's not even about like uh, motor coordination and stuff. It's, she's developing all that. But, but it's like, she's just like, dis, she's disproportionate. And so as she grows, suddenly she strengthens her body. And then as she's growing into her body, now, you know, like my four-year-old can run around and do whatever. And, and she sort of fits her head a little bit better, right? Um, and then we grow into teenage years and we lose all that. And we grow into <laughs> early 20s and we have no idea what we're doing with our life. And then... Let's be honest, then you get to retirement age and you have no idea what you're doing with your life. Now I'm just checking. Okay, so we, we grow up and we need to grow until our body fits our head. But you see, here's the reality. It's sort of funny to think about a toddler. But Paul says, when you submit to leadership, when you do all of this, when you fight for unity, you will no longer be an infant. You see, Paul actually is imagining an infant who's got this head that is Jesus and your body just straight up doesn't fit it. And so what happens is the coffee's not set out, and so, oh, no, you're upset, and you fall over, right? Or what happens is someone sat in my seat, and, oh, no, I fall over, I get upset. And then maybe it's more serious stuff, right? You're, you're like, now you're like a teenager spiritually, and it's like, but they didn't talk to me. Wait, that's not teenagers, that's anyone. All right, so, like, they didn't talk to me when I walked in, and suddenly, like, you're falling over, Right? And then it happens sort of on a corporate level, right? When it's like, well, there's a church down the street that's doing better than us. Like, so we get offended. And it's like, well, what's going on? And then we fall over, right? Or this event didn't have the turnout that we wanted it to have. So then we get upset and we fall over. It's because our body doesn't fit our head. You see, when your head is Jesus, that's pretty, a that's pretty big head to fill, right? That's a pretty big head. But Paul calls us and he actually thinks that it can happen. He thinks that actually you can attain to the full measure of Christ, and here's the question. Here's the question. What does a mature and full measured body of Christ look like? What does it look like? Looks like this it looks like hands outstretched on a cross nailed to it, and feet nailed to a cross. The full adult version of Jesus doesn't wound others, it's wounded for others. The full adult, adult version of Jesus. When someone says, "Are you the real deal?" It says, "Well, people are being healed. That's right. The sick are being cared for. The poor yes. are being taken care of, and the gospel is being preached." Yes. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. That's good. So here's the goal. It's very clear from Paul. We got to grow up. We got to grow up until our body as a church fits the head that is Jesus Christ. If the worship team will go ahead and come up. This is a really challenging task. But I think today is like one of the more important type of messages that Paul can lay out for a church. Like if we can get this, if we can get this, then people in Kerry can know the gospel in a newer and powerful way. Then the ministry that God wants to do through this church won't be hindered. If we can get this, then the power of the gospel will be on full display, not held back by our own sinfulness and shamefulness. This is what God wants for us. So, what does this look like? We talk often about things that are going on, maybe that you're going through. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, then then you get to sit on the side and listen for a minute, because this is about believers for a moment. There are people in our community right now who just got the report; they got months to live. There are people in Carrie. I just got evicted. I got no place to go. There are people in our area that just filed for divorce. You can go down the list of things that are happening, maybe in this room, certainly not far from us. And you wanna know what happens when you get in a moment when your life falls apart? You begin to question everything. So John the Baptist found himself in prison and began to question everything, his entire life's purpose, which was to point to Jesus, and he begins to question it. And here's the reality. People that don't know the Lord, maybe that's you, maybe it's not. You've set your whole life up around this certain thing. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. And suddenly, at some point, it all falls apart for this person. And they're going to begin to question. And, and I pray That when they begin to question what is real in their life, that they come to you. Yeah, it's good. So good. That they come in the doors of this church on a Sunday morning, or they come to the coffee room at your work, or they find you at the store. They say, "Hey, you, you, you believe in God, right?" I got this thing going on, and my whole life's unraveling. And I, and I hear that God can change things. Is that real? or should I look for something else? Ooh, so good. Or should I look for something else? You see, John asked that question to Jesus, but people will ask that to the body of Christ. They will come to us and say, are you the real deal, or should I look for something else? And I pray, and I pray, that we're the church that says, you come here and you're broken, you'll be fixed. You come here, you're sick, you'll be healed. You come here hungry, you'll be fed. You You come here and you'll hear the gospel. And blessed are you if you're not offended by the love that I have for you. you. you, The question is, is that true for us? Is it true for us? Today is not the day to answer that question corporately. It's the question answer that for ourselves. You see, because when you answer it for yourself, is that true of me? And enough of us begin to answer that, then the answer will be yes, for our church. So I think, I think that today, rather than a simple response that maybe just gets a few, I think that Paul is after us all. I think that Paul is after you including myself. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna open the altars and the worship team's gonna sing. And here's what I want us to do, I want us to respond to the Lord. I want us to say, God, I wanna look like you. I want my hands and my feet to bear the marks of my savior. I wanna look like Jesus, stretched out for the world. I don't know how you normally respond, but this morning I'm gonna invite you to respond in a different way than you usually do. I'm not gonna tell you how to do that. I want you to do something tangibly different to sort of signify to God, like God, whatever you have, I'm gonna go with you. I want you to do something different in response. And I want us as a church to say, God, I wanna be your hands and feet. And rather than lashing out I'll take the lashes. God, I thank you for this.